You're listening to Creative Voices, sponsored by Treebark Store. How you doing, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Creative Voices. I'm joined once again by Andrew. Uh, yes, hi, hello, yes, hi. <laughs> so, uh, we are back Coffee's today. kicking yeah, in. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> We're back today for another bit of a discussion, a continuation of a previous topic. But before we do that, I think Andrew has a little bit of a shout-out that he wants to start with. Well, it kind of, it's going to segue... I think fairly neatly into what we're talking about. We covered racism kind of broadly in the last episode, and I just wanted to kind of expand on that a little bit, elaborate on it a bit more, um, because racism is part of a broader uh, system of thinking. And I just found it really comforting and interesting. If there's one thing we know, that system of thinking predominantly comes from the right. Mm -hmm. And it's what we do know is that the right is really very good at organizing and kind of uniting and coagulating, for want of a better word. Yeah. And good, that's a good word for them, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't sound nice. You know no, I mean? no. Um, and it usually denotes, connotes <laughs> a, a wound of some yeah. sort. <laughs> Whereas the left is kind of notoriously fragmented a hell of yeah. a lot. Um, now, I have said, we'll get into it later, but I have said I'm not crazy over the right-left divide, I'd rather yeah, yeah, call yeah. it progressive regressive yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but anyway um so it was music to my ears to hear that there's a group called Lakela that have only just recently i think it was maybe the end of uh, last year 2020 um the glorious 2020 <laughs> yeah. uh, that they kind of started and it's a coalition that involves uh, political parties and unions and civil society organizations and individuals uh, like myself i've become a member as well um who have a shared aim of making ireland a country where all can live without the fear of harassment or persecution because of their ethnicity or beliefs or ability or gender or sexuality or identity or anything, basically. Yeah. Um, I found it comforting because they, they seem to be uh, crossing the aisle, right? They've got people from, from all walks of life, as it says there. Now, um, to be honest, some of them, some of the examples kind of elude me <laughs> yeah. at the moment. So I'll try and pick them up later on. Um, but a shout out to Lakela. I think that they're the kind of group that um, progressive politics desperately need. Mm. They're, they've gained a lot of traction already on Instagram. I think you can follow them. I know you can follow them on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and that's going to bring us to our topic on, on uh, what we're talking about today, basically. Lakela, yeah. great starting point. Right, so I'm just going to start off with a quote. Um, George Monbiot, that, that I read recently. And he, George Monbiot is a writer for The Guardian, absolutely love this guy <laughs> yeah I think you mentioned him once before yeah, yeah. Um, and he says he said that our challenge is to be well adjusted in a dysfunctional world without becoming well adjusted to a dysfunctional world yeah that's actually a really good way of putting it isn't it mm. I thought it was really kind of sharp and concise I think it's a riff on another quote um, you know uh, it's it has a no, familiar feel to it or something yeah it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society or something yeah. it's I can't remember who originally said that but so, I mean, there's two questions that come up there, right? Well, what's the metric for well-adjusted first, anyways? Exactly. Um, uh, and, and also, what is then the dysfunction in the world, mm. right? Um, anyway, quick few facts before we start. Yeah, yeah, go okay? for it. So, first off, I made mention of direct provision uh, the last time around, yeah. and we pointed out that of the, I think it is 44 um, different uh, centres that we have in Ireland yeah. only seven of them are government owned and the rest or the majority at least are for profit yeah which 
kind of gives you a picture in itself straight off the bat. Mm. The markets is being entrusted with it, it's kind of a cottage industry now. Yeah, is sure we'll take in refugees, but we'll just um, we'll make <laughs> money off them. Whilst we can. Price per unit. Yes, exactly. So it's the commodifying of of human lives mm. essentially, which is everything that's wrong with the system in the mm. world today, anyway. Um, but I just wanted to chuck in a couple of other facts here. I mean, first off, I'm. Sh- did you know that it was meant to be temporary? That it was it was set up in two thousand, and it's actually twenty years long. It's a pretty long time. That's that's that exceeds the the, the length of the supposed Third Reich that would last forever. There you go. Exactly. They, they, they'd have been happy if they got twenty years. I'd say. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually a really interesting comparison right. because essentially what we're saying here. Well, let me give you one other fact that yeah. I heard today. Um, Something like one in three deaths in direct provision have unexplained causes. They don't know why those people have died in direct provision. Is so, that unexplained from lack of investigation or unexplained because we don't want to say like who is responsible in that scenario then? So Especially it's the Ministry for... I should know this actually. I'll have to have a look and get back to you maybe a little bit later on in this episode. But... Um, they're actually only setting up in February of 2021. Yeah. They're actually only going to start recording uh, deaths, people who died in direct provision Asian. as of 2021. That's 20 years yeah. later yeah. since they started. So essentially what we have, the reason that the Third Reich comparison is a really good one, I yeah. think, yeah. <laughs> is that we've got uh, camps yeah. with people dying in them. Yeah. <laughs> With no, oftentimes there's no explained cause. Yeah. And these camps are run for money. And yeah. then let me just chuck a little bit more into the mix here, okay? Yeah. Uh, as if we, you know, that weren't We're enough. Really cheering everyone up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. we'll get to the cheery yeah, yeah. kind of hope to this. Um, but let me just depress you all a little bit more first. Um, gaining employment while indirect provision is almost impossible, mm. right? Um, So, on February 4th, 2018, the Irish Supreme Court ruled that it is unconstitutional to prevent asylum seekers from finding work. However, finding work as an asylum seeker or hiring an asylum seeker is incredibly complicated. First off, an asylum seeker is not entitled to a driving license and so must find work in a local area unless it's well serviced by public transport, which is rare. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. that's one really interesting fact. And then, uh, so obviously with so many DP centers in rural areas, there are really very few job opportunities available yeah. to people. Um, and besides that, you need to have been in Ireland for at least nine months and be still awaiting the first decision on your asylum application to be eligible to work, right? So, so yeah. my brain is turned over time here, just thinking, yeah. Right? Um and I don't know if you've heard of the 27th, 27th Amendment in relation to direct provision. Go for it. Just think, yeah. Happened in 2004, was added to the Irish, in, Irish Constitution, stating that automatic Irish citizenship could only be granted to children born in Ireland with an Irish citizen parent. Yeah. Prior to that, anyone born on the islands of Ireland received automatic citizenship. Yeah, so that's changed. That, yeah. yeah. So the Irish-born children of non-national parents can be granted citizenship if they can prove genuine links to the country which is done by showing they have resided in Ireland for three of the last four years. However, time spent living in direct provision, regardless of how long, does not count count towards this. So you're born in direct provision. You You can't get out of direct provision. 
Sorry? And you can't get out of direct provision. You can't get out of direct provision. The average time in direct provision is 15 months, right? Mm. The 2015 McMahon report found that 55% of asylum seekers in direct provision have been there for five years or more. Yeah. Right? And that time doesn't count towards... Do you know how we're all feeling after about a year of our lives in this weird limbo we're living in in this world right now? Just multiply that out. Yeah. Except for not everyone has to do it and you don't know. You know, there's no news for you every day about how it's going. And you know how when you hear a fact and it kind of detonates in your head and it's kind Mm. of like, wow. But then you read it out to someone. Yeah. What that's yeah. kind of happening to me? I'm having an out of body experience, yeah. like, kind of thinking about this. So to reiterate, let's just kind of put this on a n- nice, neat little sum before we progress with yeah. the episode. Right? Yeah. You can't get a job. You could spend however long you want in direct provision without a job and without any hope. And uh, if you have kids, yeah. you've got no; those kids don't have any claim to Irish citizenship. They could be packed up and thrown, uh, sent back home, or wherever. Yeah. You know, whenever you want, um, you're likely to be stuck in there for about on average, five years. About a third of all deaths that happen in direct provision are unexplained. Are so far unexplained. We mm. don't know what, what, you know, what, now that could be something as innocuous as, well, innocuous is the wrong word, but I mean, it, it, it could be something like, you know. Okay, perhaps the details so, weren't recorded properly in some yeah. situations. That's, that, but that's, it heard is too many for that to always be the case. Damn right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> of course it is. You know, um, you know, if I was making, <clears throat> coffees upstairs and I lost one in every three coffees and I couldn't figure out where they were going <laughs> questions would be asked very quickly you know? yeah. yeah that's an interesting comparison yeah. I'm not comparing people's lives no. just to be clear just no. to be clear but I'm just saying sometimes I find with not ludicrous facts but like facts that you can't reconcile because they're too big a deal in your head yeah. like that you almost need to equate it to an equally ridiculous scenario for totally. it to have any sort of impact on the way you think about it. Totally. You know? Sometimes in the in the confrontation of shock or horror, yeah, yeah. humor is almost the oh, it's, default yeah. kind yeah. of... Anyway, so I just wanted to give those facts before we then launch into, yeah. into yeah. the discussion. There. You won't have to talk for a minute because I'm over here going like... Jesus. No worries. You know, I'm quite happy to, <laughs> to talk away. Um, uh, so I mentioned that quote by George Monbiot just quickly repeated our challenge is to be well adjusted in a dysfunctional world without being uh, becoming well adjusted to a dysfunctional world mm. um, what does it mean to be a well adjusted individual yeah. I've got some ideas I don't know what you're th- like I know yeah, I'm no, putting you on the spot but what would you think so what's well adjusted to me like I, I would think that it's, it's funny I only had a conversation with this with someone else earlier on today but with who? With, just with a friend earlier on today yeah. I was discussing this they're talking about like a family member who is very we call them regressive, as you said, as opposed to right wing, and how they're willing to cut out other people in their family life because they don't support their views. Yeah. And I was just fascinated by this. I was like, imagine being so inured to your particular viewpoint of the world, an unhealthy one at that, that makes you angry all the time. That not are you you're unwilling to engage in a discussion or argument with someone else. It's not even that you'll have an argument with them, but you'll just shut it down straight away because not that they're asking you to change who you are or whatever, but you literally can't listen to them say something that you don't agree with. Yeah. You know, yeah. isn't discourse and, you know, back and forth part of all healthy relationships? You know? Yes. I do have a kind of slight caveat to that, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, you don't have to listen to lunatics. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I would just say 
I think that so often right-wing ideas and regressive ideas fly under the uh, banner of free speech and mm-hmm. you know the uh, market of the free market of ideas mm. um, and well I just want to talk about like what's wrong with talking about it man and whatever else yeah, and I think yeah. at some point there's two things we'd, you often need to concede with people who often make that argument yeah. and one is they actually have no interest in having a debate or discussion yeah they just all. want the chance to say their thing again yeah. and again yeah. they just want to proselytize they just want yeah. to be in a soapbox so yeah. all this well you know free speech and let's have a you know I I Can I? Why are you trying to shut me down? And you're trying to. Totus America. Totus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you're trying to cancel me, man, and yeah, all this, yeah. whatever. So one, yeah. uh, it's not that we're trying to cancel. It's that you don't really want to have a discussion. Yeah. Really, you just want to yeah. piss people off, and that's it. Yeah. And then two, um, it's not that we want to necessarily cancel you. It's that you're saying the same shit in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> that's been that's popped up throughout humanity's history. <laughs> For yonks, you're not saying anything new or clever here, and it doesn't contribute to anything. Yeah. Really. It just draws now. Deep breath. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you need a moment? <laughs> I need to I need a moment. I'm about to have a conniption. Um there's a guy called Jaron Lanier. Okay. I think that I'm saying his name correctly. And he is credited with being he was like one of Silicon Valley's um pioneers of uh, virtual reality and he's kind of he's on so many different um silicon valley boards and mm. discussions about technology and whatever and he makes this really interesting he makes this really interesting uh analogy he says there's this kind of like circle of empathy he says and some people like to extend it to include as many different people as possible to essentially say you know you are worthy of my caring and my compassion Mm-hmm. And some people like to reduce it to, you know, only the most, the more immediate of, yeah, it can yeah. get, right? So there's obviously yeah. different stages to that. Yeah. Now, some people call that, might be inclined to call that the left-right yeah. spectrum in politics. But even on the day-to-day, you know, there's some people who are like, it's like me and my family and, you know, fuck the rest of the world, essentially. Yeah, 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 and yeah. then there's more people who begin to care a bit more and yada, yada, yada. Um, so the reason, anyway, I'm bringing all this up is well-rounded or well-adjusted person. Yeah. Your thinking is your your definition would be someone who's prepared to listen and learn a little bit more, I guess, yeah. really. Um I suppose mine would be someone who has a, a sense of self-awareness. Mm. Um who can sort of contextualize themselves. Yeah. Who isn't solipsistic, doesn't kind of live in a bubble, who doesn't think essentially Um, what my view of the world is is correct, and what my feelings are yeah. are correct, and that kind of ha- so. Now, there's been many attempts in throughout history, obviously, to kind of uh, counter that, right? Yeah. So, um, what I would religious belief um, and superstition. Now, I'm not necessarily equating the two, but yeah. religious belief, superstition, <laughs> uh, um, all sorts of traditions have often got some sort of anthropological basis in just instinct and feeling, mm. right? Yeah. Survival. Yeah. First there was the instinct, then there became a tradition and yeah. an idea that kind of validated that and or the tradition validated, validated the idea. To some extent epigenetics as well, like in stuff that gets passed down. Yes. Kind of through, yeah. So that's, yeah, it's a really interesting one, epigenetics. Mm. But yeah, so it gets passed down and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, so you... 
So that sort of, uh, sort of thing happens, and then you get to a point like the Enlightenment period, for example, yep. where people go, well, look, all your notions of kind of God, Pope, King, yeah, clergy, monarchy, and then peasantry, that kind of social order, that's all founded on something that isn't tangible or real. Yeah, It's what you really quite like. Oftentimes the people at the top quite like the idea. Yeah, yeah. Stop me at any time if I'm... No, 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> ...yammering on too much here, Jeff, but... Um, and so the Enlightenment comes around and goes, well, look, if sometimes we can use numbers and data and science and whatever to go, well, actually, we're not the center of the universe. The sun doesn't revolve around us and yeah. yada, yada, yada. I keep saying yada, yada, yada as if I'm a kind of Scooby-Doo cartoon character <laughs> or something. But um, And that was great that the Enlightenment came around and did that yeah. and said... Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, instinct, feeling, superstition and tradition are not necessarily enough. Mm. You need to be able to back it up like incredible claims... It require incredible evidence. Yeah. But then something else happened. Is that now I used to be a massive deep breath, Andrew again. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be a massive um advocate for like uh, new new wave atheists and yes. kind of uh the what's the word I'm looking for here? It's not that I'm an anti uh it's not that I'm an atheist, I'm an anti theist was my okay. yeah, know, yeah. Christopher Hitchens kind of thing. Yeah. Uh but I've come recently in, in, in the winter of my years to realize, <laughs> to kind of <laughs> realize a little bit more, to recognize a little bit more when people said, when people would tell me, well, look, you can't just reduce everything to numbers and categories and biological classifications and compartmentalizations and whatever, because human, the human lived experience is something else altogether. Yeah. And it will find a way, no matter how you try to boil things down to statistics and things, it will boil away, uh, find a way to boil over, oftentimes irrationally. Yeah. It will come out in some way, shape, or form. It's like Jurassic Park. Yeah. And it, what's it? Life finds a way or whatever. Yeah, life yeah. finds a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and chaos theory and whatever yeah. else. It's like it. So, and that's what we find is happening. We now live, and I'm really going off on one here. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of anger, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is like a therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> I get my notepad out. <laughs> like I said, stop me at any hey. point if I'm kind of going off too much on one, but the basic point that I wanted to make anyway was what's happened now is we've swapped one god for another. Mm-hmm. We've gone, instead of gods, here is numbers and data and analysis and statistics and currency and money yep. and the market. Yeah, yeah. And in a world that since at least Thatcher and Reagan has been told there is no such thing as society yeah. and there is no such thing as big governments and you're on your own buddy and it's all about whatever you can make and do, is it any wonder that this rise in populism, far-right, racism and whatever has come, has, and conspiracy theories, the efforts to try and find God, the more... The emergence of conspiracy theories in the last, like, like, in general, last years, but definitely the last two years... Mm. It's crazy. It is crazy. And, it, you know, you'll find so many explanations. I mean, social media hasn't helped. and um, But it's easier, I think, for people, a certain subset of people, to just believe in that because it, they can then use that to rationalize any of their own behavior without having to, you know, yeah, accept yeah. life for what it is, you know. But to an extent, can you blame them? 
Not really, I suppose. Um, I mean, you can. It's irritating. But, yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah. on a logical level. But it's funny. I actually started listening to a show called Armchair and Dangerous. Have you heard of this? No. So it's a gentleman from New Zealand, and he's on with the American guy Dax Shepard, who's an actor. And basically, they take a different conspiracy theory every week, yeah. and kind of chat about what it is that people believe. What about a great them. idea! Oh my god! Like. Is it brilliant? It's brilliant. I yeah. mean, it's 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 weird and it's it's mental and it's some of it's depressing in some ways to see what people believe, but it's also like, Christ Almighty. And your man does a good kind of dive into what's interesting is that the main host has done a lot of like research and stuff around this, but he hasn't necessarily told the other guys on the show what they're going to talk about. So they're getting a very fresh take on what they know about it from over the years. Like say September eleventh was one they took. Yeah. And then, you know, jet fuel can melt beams and all this yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then he, he goes into like, you know, like for example, and that's a really good example, was the was the, the buildings and the way they came down line 11. Yeah. And he was like, people are around, oh, buildings don't come down like that. And he's like, why do you believe that? It's because movies have shown us them like toppling. Yeah. So our basis for how a building falls yes. is nothing we've seen in real life. Yeah. No, it's because we've watched movies, you know. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it has been. I mean, how many times have we heard the whole uh, a lie will have travelled around the earth a thousand times before the truth, truth has its shoes on or yeah, something like that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and obviously we know that social media has helped with that. Yeah, and no, helped is the word way. you want to use, but yeah. Yeah. But what I found really interesting to hear, though, is that social media or otherwise, yeah. in moments of great crisis and panic, yeah. like the Spanish flu, the, there were all sorts of conspiracy theories related yeah. to that as well. Yeah. How it was, uh, what was it was it a was it then a Russian virus being, being yeah kind of pumped into the there was there were all sorts of ridiculous. There's a, a great episode by Radio Lab that they released the American show on um, WNYC last year early on in the pandemic and they talked about the Spanish flu and yeah. how it, you know it's been around since 1980 and how it's, it's changed and stuff and they talk about some of that actually it's yeah. just it's but, like, what does stuff. it tell you uh, beyond it, it tells us that people are are really at moments of fear and crisis and panic really prepared to latch on to any kind of mm. stupid idea yeah but it also tells you that they have a tendency to swing towards once again the right or the, yeah, yeah. to regress yeah which then brings me to the next point that I kind of wanted to make with this, which was, why do we therefore validate a political idea? Well, it's not an ideology, because there's no actual fundamental idea behind the right yeah, wing. Yeah. Um, in fact, they pride themselves on being pragmatic and versatile and adaptable. Yeah. That's, that is that is like the, the recurring trope with a lot of the, uh, yeah. the British Conservative Party and with the Republican Party in the US is, you know... Ideology is actually the danger. Heaven forbid we should turn into Maoists or, you know, Leninists or whatever else, and Stalinists, and fair enough. But, um, but the alternative seems to have been this kind of valueless, <laughs> um, almost compassless, no North Star kind of movement yeah. that claims to be adaptable, but is instead, uh, I'm all right, fuck you, Jack. I'll take whatever I can yeah, get. Yeah. Mindsets. But you think is that what some people respond to and it is the lack of ideology and direction means that whatever the problem is, I can just mold it around this because it covers yeah. all my bases, you know? Yeah. It's like drawing constellations in the stars, like joining yeah. the dots to make whatever shape you want to, really. And here, let's 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 jump from what you said to this. So 
you're on about how like in times of crisis people latch on to any idea or any idea or any whatever. so do you think a lot of the problems with all this is that a lot of people are now just taking that general concept and applied it across a longer period of their life because maybe the whole world I feel is not just now and with COVID but in the last 10 20 years kind of feeling like that but on a longer scale basis so people are feeling a bit of drift in life yeah and have been for some time because the world is kind of a weird place as we move forward it really is in the modern modern world what on earth makes you say that Jeff you know I mean you know <laughs> since pretty pretty much as well since the last big crash worldwide yeah you think people are just gone fuck it and they're viewing that like latching on crisis but they're doing it on a long term basis as opposed to like an immediacy of you know <laughs> I think that what happened with 2008 was, and this is where I suppose social media and everything kind of helped, was that we saw a system that defiantly refused to change itself, refused to be accountable to to 99%, and continued having learned nothing in the the vein of the... The one, the top one percent. So yeah, it, it yeah. didn't jail any bankers. There wasn't. A, I don't think there was a single banker in the US who was jailed. Yeah. I don't think anyone in, in the UK was jailed. Yeah. Right. These are the people who were kind of messing with LIBOR rates and, yeah, you know, fiddling and the subprime mortgages and everything, and they nothing happened. Yeah. To them. It's like, oh well, that's just the way the the system goes. It's like when you watch the you watch the big short, I see. Oh yeah. I've watched a couple of times. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've watched it a few times as well. I'm hoping I'll finally understand it. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like you leave that movie angry and then you go, but sure, nothing happened. And if it hasn't happened by now, no, it ain't going to happen. You know? But that's the thing. It's like there are so many, there are some brilliant attempts and efforts to take that on. Mm. But if there's one, so this is why, and I'm going to digress a little bit here, but this is why it's so funny to me, the hysteria of of the right wing and when I say right wing, I mean I'm incorporating everything from uh, the uh, political party stuff, yeah. and we're talking, you know, the Republican Party, the Conservative Party, you know, right through to um, I'd include Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, mm. uh, through to obviously in Ireland the National Party, and yeah. uh, and then your kind of YouTube nut jobs, yeah. um, <laughs> and I have no qualms about calling them outright nut jobs. Oh yeah. But um, that's the thing that unites all of the right wing um, is, and where was I going with that actually? I completely lost my train of thought trying to list the, the full spectrum there, here. Yeah, there have been some great examples of people trying to take it. Yes, yeah. um, what, what I find so hysterical about the right wing and its claims of like, well, we're under attack and uh, liberal uh, politics dominate the media and you know conservatives there's such a bias against conservatives and Peter Hitchens Christopher Hitchens' brother is always on about well they never have me on question time and all this <laughs> kind of rubbish is that the system itself is yeah. fundamentally tilted in their favour yeah. you know it's it, well, they own the system they are the system they, they are the system yeah. and all the system has done so far is go we're going to reduce everyone to numbers yeah. And this boils down, we see this in direct provision, yeah. where they can go, oh, we haven't been keeping track of how people have been dying in there because they're just numbers. I suppose we'd better start doing that now, it's 2021. Yeah. You know, through to the way, I was, I'm reading a really, really good book at the moment. Yeah. Um, sorry, this has been building up for a while, but <laughs> yeah. it's called Winners Take All okay. by Anand uh, Giridardas. 
and it's basically about the how big multinational businesses um their claims to philanthropy like the Bill Gates Foundation and everything yeah they're really the band-aid the plaster to yeah. allow the the system to keep going mm. without actually fundamentally changing anything yeah oh we'll you know don't donate a few books or some money to this cause and whatever else yeah, yeah. but heaven forbid someone should say to you well actually yeah. <laughs> what you really need to do is stop soaking up natural resources and shutting down smaller businesses yeah, yeah. in co- countries across the world yeah. heaven forbid you should do that but um what he there's a really he puts it just so succinctly god i love this man um <laughs> But he makes it a point, he says, you know, the funny thing is businesses used to happen within their communities, within their countries at most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you the hired mom and pe- stop, sorry, mom and stop, mom and pop store phenomenon as they called it back in, yeah. Exactly. And then at some point they realized, well, well, you ended up with stakeholders. Yeah. And you had people who bought shares in the company. Yeah. And suddenly the value was less, you didn't, you didn't pay people a solid salary knowing that sometimes you would be at a loss and sometimes you'd be mm. at a gain or whatever else, you paid, it became the gig economy and you paid people according to, uh, I'm t- in this case, I'm thinking about people like Uber or, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, we'll, we'll contract you. They just seem awful, basically, don't they? They're terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrible. We'll contract. Yeah, yeah. You're a contractor. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the, I can't find the exact page on winners. Take all now. Read it. <laughs> Yeah. Really, yeah, it's a superb, superb book. But yeah. anyway, um, the point I was making is the system has reduced everyone to, I keep going on about the system, like yeah. um, some sort of matrix. You'd be the YouTube going, oh, that's a stop, that's a stop. <laughs> the points I've gone, uh, I've gone <laughs> off on so many tangents, I need to lay off of the coffee at this hour of the night as well. The point I was going to make, though, is backtracking significantly here mm. is this rise in a right wing and populism and, and uh, racism and all of that yeah. is why do we validate it well we don't validate populism everyone's got a strong opinion on that but the conservative party in the UK or Fianna Fáil uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil maybe they've merged there <laughs> you might as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're the same the two sides are the same thing aren't they yeah. um, they have nothing new to contribute to this argument in the face of clear, evident crises rolling over again and again. So is it any wonder people get get people turning to... It isn't. There is no wonder. (laughs) There is no wonder. Everything (laughs) is just wonderless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Sorry, I really just slapped you No, I get it, because like... (laughs) Well, I don't get it, but I, un- I, I in that I understand. Drink the Kool Aid. I know, right? Why it's been <laughs> perfect sound effect. My yeah, I was trying to get that <laughs> with my Coca Cola can here. Yeah. Um, like they're one of the companies as well. That like, if you think about where they started and some of the stuff you heard about them and the like, the stuff that went on and. I think it was South America with like, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Shit. I've just actually I've yeah. just gone on a big rant about multinationals while I was drinking my Coca-Cola. The but but yeah. the system's everywhere. It's, it's, in, it's inescapable. <laughs> it is. It is inescapable. It is. Like when I'm fascinated about the situation we find ourselves in is that like it's pretty clear and it's been pretty clear from early on that all the individuals and businesses that have suffered throughout all this pandemic and that will suffer are the small businesses. 
mm. the individually owned, whatever, the locals, Absolutely. the family ones, the second or third generation, or even the new businesses and people who had the balls to open up during the during the pandemic, the ones who amaze me. It's like, you know, people like, oh, in Go is such a place, I don't even know where, but like say next closed down or whatever. It gives you shit. They can it absorb that loss. Totally. You know? Okay, yes, they may, there was obviously it's shit for the staff who work there. It's not like they were probably treating those staff very well or giving them a bright future anyways. Yeah. You know? We but, need to be supporting like small businesses and smaller industries and emerging industries and people who are willing to work for themselves and provide directly. Because the, the difference right there is that like for small businesses, sorry, sorry no, it's rant time for Jeff. Oh, no, please, rant away. For small businesses, there's something a bit more intangible there. It's not just creating employment and paying their tax. The chances are, if you're a small business owner in a small town, you're bringing a hell of a lot more than just opening the doors and serving something. You're creating something for the people of that town, be it direct employment for someone from the area or... You're part of the ecosystem. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's that's far more valuable. And like small businesses are the fucking backbone of any country, but especially this country. Yeah. And if they're going to go around giving tax breaks of 13 and a half billion to friggin' Apple... Yeah. Why can't they help out the small businesses? Yeah, exactly. This, this whole, oh, we're going to tax people on their PUP and whatever else. Yeah. And you're like, really? Yeah. Like, everyone here who's kind of struggling through the pande- pandemic, yeah. you're going to tax them on the money that you were giving them to help out. Yeah. I actually read something yesterday. Six billion is what that's cost them so far, they reckon, or what it's going to cost by the time to get to June of 2021. So if they just took that Apple money, yeah. they could pay everyone for two and a half years. You know, it's nuts, isn't it? Just think about that. You know, wow. Sure, I'm sure Tim Cook gives a shit. Like, you know, you've just you just shut me up. Yeah, right sure. <laughs> like, just, yeah. Wow, when you put it in those terms, phrase it like that. I mean, that's the other thing, though. And I'm back up, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other thing is like tag it. <laughs> yeah, is that so? There was this advent of, you know, when the Rockefellers and the and I know Rockefeller, whenever you mention that name, there's a whole con- kind of conspiracy associated with it. Yeah, yeah. Ignore that bit. I'm not going down that road. Yeah, yeah. Crazy stuff. But the the Carnegies and the Rockefellers and whatever in, in, mm. in the US, yeah. there was a there came a point when the, the disparity in the industrial boom became so apparent to people and there was a rising anger. Because mm. this happens all the time as the kind yeah. of, you know, uh, as the gap grows, people get angry and but what's hilarious about it is like that's the kind of story that Yanks love was like they started and they built themselves off in the yeah. middle rich but now we hate them because they're the rich ones yeah yeah but the Carnegies and the uh, Rockefellers and whoever else yeah. realizing that there was this kind of anger yeah. and this kind of rising kind of resentment uh, started up things called foundations mm. to give back and the funny thing about foundations is they're not democratically accountable in any way yeah. They're private big institutions yeah. that deal with money, but then also end up lobbying. Yeah. Also end up um, uh, leaning on the powers that, because they've got bigger than the powers of like, the, yeah. the mayor of the town or yeah, whatever yeah. else. Yeah. So they become these philanthropic. Philanthropic? That's the one. Uh, that word. Yeah. Uh, projects yeah. or claim to be. Yeah. But then accumulate this power that goes yeah. with it as well. So, and it's that once again, back to that whole, the system trying to fix itself, the people who cause the problems yeah. going, oh, we'll just give back in some way, shape or form yeah. only to then in- create more issues as a result of doing it. Instead of turning to 
And this is where the statistics, numbers, enlightenment kind of issue comes back, the over-rationalization of everything. It's where consultancy, consultancy firms like McGill and McKinsey and whatever come in, yeah. and they go, you know, they open a laptop and they break things into pie charts and numbers yeah, and yeah. data, and they go, right, you know, well, they always come up talking three points, you know, because three points are going to do it, and they come up with a, a spreadsheet and a PowerPoint kind of structure. Yeah, yeah. And what we'll do is this, 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 great. Have they consulted one person from the community about it? No. Have they uh, sat and listened for years and years and got a flavor and a sense of how people think and talk in the culture? No. Yeah. They've come in, they've been given a remit for six months or whatever, yeah. or, or if that. Yeah. We'll fix it. The end. I had a very interesting kind of scenario. One of those back in my Salt Hill days where they were kind of looking at what were they going to do, reassess Leisureland and how would they use it as a facility for the public and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they brought in a consultancy firm from the UK. Interesting. And I was like, huh, that's... What does the UK know about this community? Right? And so they brought in these guys... What does the UK know about community at all? <laughs> well, that's a good point as well. But they brought in these guys and they brought them in for a couple of weeks and then they brought in various groups that they brought in like the swimmers and then they brought in the people who, the, who use the gym and, the, and I was like well lads there's your consultants right there just take one person from every group exactly sit them down in a room and say no no let them all come in and this was the best part was, and this was fucking hilarious right so they <laughs> they gave us a time <laughs> slot right as yeah. a business group to yeah. whatever and my thing has always been and it always has been ever since the days of being working the group is like I don't believe there's such a thing as a business community there's businesses that operate in the community and there's people in the community. Yeah. And those two things always cross over. Yeah. Because otherwise it's like, we're that business community, we want money. Exactly. And they're the residents and that they feck off and pick you know. pitch people against each right? other kind of thing. Yeah. So then we showed up a few minutes early and they were talking to the swimmers group. Now, one of the swimmers group was also a business owner in the community, just by happenstance. Yeah. So we walked in and I nodded at the gentleman, he nodded at me, we know each other and he's, he's one who's been engaged in community locally and he's quite good for stuff and yeah. nice man. And uh, we sat at the back and this consultant stopped me. He's like, sorry. And we're like, oh, we're just a bit early for you. He goes, yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask you to leave until it's your time. Whoa. And you're like, why? Did the swimmer community have a secret that like the business community must not know yeah. about? And you're like, so you're, re- you're literally going to separate these groups completely in Every order to get... You should, could, you should pollute each other's opinions in some you know, way as, as a united kind of community. Yeah. <laughs> and that report took them... Six months to put together. At what? What? At what's cost? what cost? You know, for what's a community hub and run by the local council and stuff. It's just it's such a bizarre and a perfect example of what you're saying there. Yeah. It's just like you don't need consultants. Just ask the people who live there or from the area. And that's where number crunching and data and statistics. I mean, the state statistics is coming from that. It's like, mm. you know, wanting to yeah. get the census and getting... That's yeah. fine. But the lived experience of the people in the communities, and this is where yeah. my kind of new wave atheism and whatever else yeah, began yeah. to retreat in recent years, I began to appreciate yeah. that actually no amount of knowledge of numbers and uh, psychology and whatever else is going to help you navigate yeah. the space you're in with other people that I mean it will help you to some extent perhaps but there's this kind of uh, the phenomenology of it all that you kind of have to it's like when when I heard that there might be a Weatherspoons opening up on Anglinton Street did you hear about that? oh yeah yeah thankfully I think that's actually holy fucking shit if that were the case like (laughs) 
And also, could it be more English-like? You know, like yeah, and just like you know, Brexit. Look, just not, like, I'm not saying this. In an, yeah, I'm not saying this in anti-English kind of way. But it's just like, oh no, no. Surely to Christ, there's somebody in Ireland who'd be willing to take on. Yes, you know, absolutely, absolutely. You know? And why? I mean, I do think there's a, a point where you you can take. As a as a like the local council, or whatever, can take a principled stand and say, "Well, what would we rather be doing yeah, with yeah. the streets of Galway here? Yeah. Do we want to bring the a massive UK franchise over to yeah. this town to fundamentally change, yeah, alter yeah. the the character on, of it on today's agenda? Gentrification, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I should look. I'm going to say right here, like Galway City Council." I'm sure they're not listening to this anyway. Mm. I, I've dealt with them a lot. Yeah. Christ, they're so backwards. It's a heard, you're not the first person I've heard that from. It is such a struggle to deal yeah. with them. I've, you know? heard, I've heard that a and few times. And they're not interested in doing anything. No. Because it's usually, it's like split, isn't it? It's like you've got the older people in the, what is it, the, the executive, there's like two parts. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. You, like, like, man, we had an event before and because we wanted to do something that was like in a car park, but the car park abutted a green area. We got the approval of the roads division for using the car park, but the greens, green parks and green department wouldn't give us approval. And I was like, really, lads? And this was this was a community-based event. I mean, at the end of the day, you think if you work in the local city council, your whole remit would be like, stuff that's going to do good for the town, that's going to yeah. generate revenue. Is going to, so we're like, hey, we'd like to run this char- charity event and whatever. And they'd be like, no, not interested. You know, got to fill out all these forms. <laughs> yeah. I suppose coming on, like continuing on from that, yeah. um, but and, and keeping with the kind of the main thread of the, the conversation is, I can understand why people would be upset about change mm. and about the idea that, like, you know, this is this is Galway, yeah, and yeah. they might get—I I don't know if you want to call it patriotic or whatever—but yeah, yeah. they might get kind of they might be especially resistant to especially a kind of foreign intrusion or whatever else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a line where it's understandable in the context of things we're talking about, right? Where it's like, why would you come and just plonk something here without consulting and being part of the community and whatever else? But there's a line where that then verges onto when you've got people who are innocent of any um, transgression, I mean, haven't Mm. done anything, or even worse, are marginalized or yeah. oppressed yeah. and you're coming along and obviously this is bringing it back down, back to direct Revision. provision but it's also the traveler community it's any um, marginalized group basically any marginalized group yeah. um, and when people round on them and go how dare you come and change the character of our, yeah. of our and it's like well if you're the character of what you're defending is one that would attack the marginalized yeah. then maybe it desperately does need Needs. change <laughs> Look at it this way, right? I'm going to give you a bit of an analogy here. It's like, we've all watched, you know... Anal OG. <laughs> never thought of that before, but thanks for that. <laughs> now that's all I know about it's getting it. getting late in the night, sorry. My bad. So, think of it this way. And I'm going to give you the first example and related to real life. And this is what comes back to my, like, losing one in three coffees kind of concept. Like, we've all watched, like, soccer matches and whatever. Never once in the history of a match has a, a player gone up to a referee and shouted at the referee and given out to them and then the ref gone do you know what you're right yeah. take the yellow card back right Yeah. also never once in the history of the world has anyone gone I don't like those people over there I don't like those people of colour or those gay people and then 
at the end people going jeez you know what you're right we were totally wrong let's oppress them you know? yes yes <laughs> you that's, know. and that's a really and that's actually to kind of uh, bring what we're saying to a point I think <laughs> is that the inevitable the inherent contradiction and the fact that any kind of racist nationalists um, regressive mindset is doomed to failure yeah I mean it resurges it comes in waves yeah yeah but the world is getting, generally speaking, successive generations are getting more progressive than they are yeah, yeah. right wing. Yeah. At least the last time I checked, statistics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim Jeffries, the comedian, talks about like, yeah. he goes like, fuck I, millennials. I He's like, you go on about how you're the most liberal generation there's ever been. He goes, here's some news here. So was the one before you and the one before yeah. them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. yes. And yes. this thing, the world marches on. And like, yeah. what what is it like the the conservatives at the right wing? What is it they want? Like, which which year would they like us to regress to? Nineteen twenty, eighteen fifty? You know, like they live in this world. They're going to have to just accept it because in twenty years' time, either them or their kids are going to be given out. But they'll already have accepted the stuff they didn't like twenty years ago. Yeah, you know exactly. Or have to live with it. Exactly. All this kind of like the National Party. I don't understand how they've put so much efforts. Uh, that's the Justin Barrett and Co. Mm. I mean, there there is a man who. It, like if you if you could think of a better caricature like I'd love to see it because there's a man the definition of Napoleonic syndrome yeah yeah he's vertically challenged to say the least and clearly has a massive chip on his shoulder yeah and to the extent though that he's so driven by this kind of insecurity and need to because there is, the science shows that there's a, often a correlation between someone's height, a man's height specifically, and his need to then, yeah. to overcompensate. Yeah. But Barrett has All my tall friends are so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> but no, but um, yeah, it, 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 so, but it's like, what is your ultimate end goal? Yeah. Ireland, he was up in Air Square yeah. a couple of years ago, I think, with a banner with yeah. a bunch of other numpties yeah. going, um, Ireland for the Irish. Yeah. And it's like, so are you essentially, does this just boil down to you advocating fairly vehemently for inbreeding? Is that yeah. what you're... Like, what's Irish? What like, is? What do you mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Which goes back to kind of what we talked about in the previous episode, about the definitions of Irish and Irishness. Or it could be Spanish and Spanishness. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it could be anything. You know, mm-hmm. it's just... So there's also, it's it's a losing it's a losing game. Yeah. Going the aggressive racist yeah. kind of way. It just seems to be really hard to try and get them to to recognize it. So I would suggest as a point of like tapering this conversation off because I'm sure we could probably go on for fucking ever. Yeah. But I would suggest that maybe um one of the things that we could really desperately be doing is trying to change the conversation around it. Yeah. And maybe a really good way of doing that is joining some of the more progressive movements. Now, it doesn't have to be political party. It doesn't have to be the kind of um, the Sinn Féin's and the Social Democrats and the people before profits or whatever. It could be something as simple as getting involved with someone in your community that you probably wouldn't inside your own circle yeah. as standard. You know, expand your... Supporting the people in direct provision. Yeah. You know, Expand your horizons a bit. Trying to reach out to the yeah. traveler community and say, I don't know, I'm interested to know how yeah. one might be able to do that. I don't know if there is a group actually, um, but just you put something in my head. It's, it's like you said, expand your horizons. 
comes back to the point you made with the, the gentleman who said about like people's um, bandwidth of empathy for for whatever uh, phrase you used for it. It's when you hone it back in, you pull it back in. Of course, you're going to get to these kind of problems that we have because the more you hone in, the less empathy you have for people outside your circle. The more those people are going to be like you, and the less willing you're going to be to accept others. Yeah, totally. It's, you know? it's a self-fulfilling. Yeah. Fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you know, um, get involved. Yeah. Right. There's there's really no point in being passive in this thing, but that doesn't yeah. mean going out in your and <laughs> start writing those banners. Yeah. 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 <laughs> kind of gear, although. I mean, I'm far be it for me to judge anyone who would do that. <laughs> yeah. But but it, it could be, if you want to be a member of a community and you want that community to be open to the possibilities of the world, and if you believe that people united together can elevate humanity rather than descend regress into the pits of our kind of stinky instincts, <laughs> <laughs> then do something about it. Get involved in, yeah. for example, Lakela. Yeah. Which I think means all together mm-hmm. in, in yeah. Oshkelga. Yeah. I'm learning. There you go. Um, so that's that point. I don't know if you want to... No, I think we've, you know, as you said, this is something we could probably discuss ad nauseum and we probably will come back around at some stage. But for now, it's probably enough for people to digest that much of the conversation. Maybe we'll touch back on this in a few weeks and check in with it and see where people are at. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not the racist podcast. Yeah. Or we're not talking about the racist yeah, yeah. <laughs> podcast all the time, but yeah. I think it's a crucial point to be... Ah, yeah, no, it's a message that needs to be reinforced because the people who are causing this problem are never going to stop spewing their message of hate. So unfortunately, unless it's countered, then that's all you're going to hear. That's why us on the progressive side need to unite rather than fragment. Yeah, get a bigger loudspeaker. That's it. (laughs) Okay, guys, we're going to wrap it up with that for today's episode. Thanks very much for joining us. As always, we'll put links in the show notes for anything we discussed during today's episode and feel free to get in touch with us. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Creative Voices. This podcast is sponsored by Treebark Store and produced by P3B Photography. For more information, find us on Instagram, treebark.store or at P3B underscore photos. You can visit our website, treebarkstore.com or p3bphotography.com. Thanks again and catch you on the next episode.